Hello everyone, my name is Oldar. Welcome to another episode of Ask Me About North Korea, a podcast about the most reclusive country in the world. In this podcast, I'm answering the most widespread questions about North Korean politics, society, and culture, in a short and concise manner, based on factual evidence. If you like this podcast, I would be grateful if you could share it with your friends, leave a positive review, make a donation, or subscribe. You can also visit the podcast website, www.askmeaboutdprk.wordpress.com. There you can access episode transcripts, as well as some other materials, such as book reviews, film recommendations, and online events. As the name of the podcast suggests, please feel free to ask me questions in your comments and reviews. I will do my best to answer them in the next episodes. And now, let's start. In this episode, I would like to talk about the Korean People's Army, or KPA, the military of North Korea, which is also the armed wing of the ruling party. Kim Jong-un, who is the supreme leader of North Korea, is also the supreme commander of the army and the chairman of the Central Military Commission. I'm almost certain that most of you think that North Korea is one of the most militarized countries in the world, and you wouldn't be wrong. Indeed, its leadership places a lot of emphasis on military development. Under the Songun policy, army is the central institution of North Korean society and performs various functions, and not only the security-related ones. Specifically, economic construction is another important function of the North Korean army, which is usually not analyzed in depth, but could be an avenue for research. To give you a better understanding of this very important institution, in this episode we will look at the current structure, role and significance of the North Korean Army. The KPA consists of five branches, the Ground Force, the Naval Force, the Air and Anti-Air Force, the Strategic Rocket Forces and the Special Operation Force. Its total person power is around 1,200,000 people, which is one of the largest standing armies in the world despite the fact that North Korea is not very big in terms of population size, with only 25 million people. Thus, in terms of military personnel to population ratio, the DPRK is a world leader. Serving in the army is mandatory for a large share of the country's population, both for males and females. North Korean males usually serve 10 years in the army, while females serve 3 years. Conscripting females remains a relatively new idea. It was launched by Kim Jong-un in the spirit of alleged gender equality. However, North Korean females can still escape this miserable fate by getting married and receiving the official status of a housewife. So, what are the main functions of the KPA? Well, if we summarize it in one sentence, there are three main points here. The main functions are ensuring domestic stability, foreign policy stability, and contributing to the country's economic life. The first two functions make the army an institution essential to survival of the DPRK political elites and of the existing political system as a whole. By the way, if you are interested in the political side of things, I had already discussed them in episode 18. Anyway, let us now investigate each of these functions separately to understand the importance of the North Korean military. 
Well, first and foremost, let us begin with the questions related to domestic stability. The concept of military lies at the heart of the post-Kim Il-sung regime stability. KPA fulfills the role of a protector of the regime under the slogan of the military first Songun policies. That is why high-ranking military officials, but also rank-and-file soldiers, broadly get preferential treatment by the state if compared to the other parts of the population. This usually involves additional food ratios, quicker access to public goods and services, and better career opportunities in the ruling party. Indeed, it is practically impossible to get into the Workers' Party of Korea without having served in the military. Well, at least on paper, since corruption in North Korea twists and turns mountains over. Anyway, the army, similar to the security forces, helps the regime to keep the broader population under control. Naturally, the Kim regime makes sure that its guardians are well-fed and well-equipped. Or, at least fed and equipped less badly than others. In such case, they are less likely to rebel against the existing system. Preferential treatment of the army was particularly evident in the 1990s when the entire population was practically starving and hundreds of thousands were dying from famine. Back then, the government prioritized supplying the army with all the humanitarian aid it received from the international community. It was also the reason why so many men were so desperate to get into the military in the 1990s. The army provided them with salvation, with the only chance to escape from the consequences of the disastrous nationwide famine. Let us proceed to the second function, maintenance of the foreign policy stability. As I have mentioned in the previous episodes, the DPRK maintains its army for defensive foreign policy purposes only. Despite some speculations on the topic, the North Korean elites are absolutely not interested in starting a war with the United States or even with South Korea for the simple reason of their army's technological inferiority. They are not irrational kamikazes. On the contrary, they want to survive for as long as possible. That is why the North Korean military strategy for years had been built around the concept of destructive defense. The main goal of this strategy is to make sure that attacking North Korea will cause as much human and economic damage to the adversary as possible. This is the reason why Pyongyang had been so desperate about developing its nuclear program, because it knows that the nuclear warheads would be capable of dealing irreversible damage to the United States and its allies in the region. As for conventional weapons, North Korea is lagging behind South Korea, but it had chosen a smart tactical approach of stationing all of its heavy artillery right next to the border with Seoul, where half of the South Korean population lives. Any unprovoked attack on North Korea would result in very significant damage to Seoul and hundreds if not thousands of civilian deaths, which the South Korean side does not want to provoke. It is also like that the American troops stationed in South Korea or several thousand people, will suffer the consequences too. At the end of the day, it is quite evident that the North Korean army would be completely wiped out by the United States and South Korea. Yet it would also mean that the United States and South Korea would have to suffer significant human and economic costs, which democracies usually do not tolerate all too well. For this reason, North Korea's KPA remains a serious deterrence factor in terms of foreign policy and diplomacy. Finally, the KPA also performs some economic construction functions, especially during the periods of massive crisis like the famine of the 1990s 
various natural disasters or the COVID-19 pandemic. It is often entrusted with projects of political significance, like the Masikrong ski resort. That said, in the recent years, the gap between the KPA's actual role and its political significance has been decreasing due to Kim Jong-un's shift from the Songun policies to a more economy-oriented approach called Pyongjing. Kim Jong-un encourages the development of market economy more consistently than his predecessors, albeit still on a very limited scale. That said, the North Korean military still keeps playing a massive role in the country's economy, especially in the current pandemic climate. Quote, the Korean People's Army is a model group that has been at the forefront of the Workers' Party Socialist Construction Initiative, the party newspaper proclaimed in the summer of 2021. Indeed, the KPA is known to own various sport clubs, state enterprises, and even cover up entire international criminal network operations across East Asia. All these assets aim to bring as much value as possible to the army itself and to the regime as a whole. Despite those three very important functions, structurally, the army's place in the political framework of the country has been changing as it became subjugated to the Workers' Party of Korea once again under Kim Jong-un's rule. Some North Korea watchers, like Andrei Lankov, made a connection between this political change and Kim Jong-un's focus on the economic development and improved production of the consumer goods. A reasonable expectation was also that this emphasis on the development of the civil economy would be accompanied by some reduction in defense expenditure. This, however, did not happen. Moreover, the North Korean military remains extremely important to the country's political system. Importance of the military is reflected in both the country's ideology like Songun, as well as cultural symbolism through national holidays like the Military Foundation Day. So that is it for today's episode. What do you think, though? Are there any reasons why the North Korean military is so important? Leave your opinion in the comments below or in the review section. If you liked this episode, please leave a positive review on the podcast platform, subscribe to the podcast, or make a donation on my website, www.askmeaboutdprk.wordpress.com. Also, feel free to provide your feedback on this episode's quality and ask any questions about North Korea that you might have. Thank you for listening, stay healthy, and stay tuned.